Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. We are in the fourth part of our Christmas Tags series because, uh, as you know, um, it's exciting to see some gifts. It's exciting to see that, but it's even more exciting when you see your name on the tag. And so, man, especially as a kid, man, that was what was exhilarating is see that, man, this was this stuff was happening. Christmas was going down, and uh, we want to, uh, us to be aware and to walk in an awareness that God gave to us and we need to make sure we remember that this is unto us and that Christmas, um, if you follow along in the notes, um, Christmas is a time for us to reflect on the greatest gift that we have ever received and that, that's Jesus. And as we're about to get into um, Isaiah chapter 9, 6 in a little while, um, we see that there's a lot included in that and we have to be aware of what's included, you know. As a kid, we were always sad when we got a gift and their batteries weren't included. Praise God, somebody decided to fix that, and batteries are almost always involved. It's, thankfully, now they're rechargeable, so you just don't have to go to the store all the time. But, man, things, are, things aren't included, things are included, that all this is important information, and that's what we've been looking at is what is included when we received Jesus. And so I was reminded a story with uh, Lyndon. We call her Lulu. Uh, she was up here on stage singing at the over here on this far end, and uh, she loves to sing. Always has. And um, when she was uh, growing up, she was involved with uh, some of the theatrical productions that uh, um, one of the local companies puts on and puts on musicals and all that stuff for kids. And she enjoyed doing those and was involved in some of those. And during the final week, right before they do the production there's intense final practices and it's all hands on deck and everybody's have to be there and it's long and so man she'd get hungry she wanted a snack so she's like uh, let us know she needs to take a snack so she got her a little bag of goldfish she likes some goldfish take some crackers and have that while she's hanging out in the back because you don't want that child hangry and so she is she is cute and sweet till she gets hangry, and then it's just all bets are off. And so uh, keep that child fed. And, um, and so she took her little goldfish with her and had those in the back, and it got that time. She was ready to uh, have a little snack. So she pulls out her goldfish, but well, she's not remotely alone back there. So she was being sweet and decided she was going to share the wealth and be able to let everybody else have some. So she went along to her little friends that were back there and telling them, hey, would you like some goldfish? Would you like some goldfish? And came along to one little girl and she's like, hey, would you like some goldfish? And she says, um, I can't have gluten. And Lulu says, it's not gluten, it's goldfish. And, uh, and so thankfully, uh, that little girl was well aware um, that there was gluten in there. And, um, and so, and, uh, but Lulu was wonderfully oblivious to the fact that there is gluten in goldfish. And sadly, we can live our lives, especially as believers, as the children of God, um, just oblivious to what we uh, what's included? What is a part of this? And one of the earliest things that points towards this moment, 
towards the coming of the Savior in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6, it immediately begins to unpack, not just that that a child was going to be given, that a son was going to be given, and, and that there would need to be the let, a, let him rule, but begins to unpack and unfold what's included when we get this Savior. Let's go ahead and look at Isaiah 9, 6. It says, for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. Government will be on his shoulders. We're going to pause right there right quick. And to allow that the government to be on his shoulders, it's not the government of the country, it's your government. It's who do you say you're allowing yourself to rule? Some, the responsibility is going to be on somebody's shoulders. You can decide you're going to take it on your own shoulders and be squashed under the weight of it. You can try to push it off onto somebody else and maybe even another government and decide, okay, it's the government's responsibility or my boss's responsibility or my family's responsibility and that will leave you completely disappointed or you can place it where it belongs, which is squarely on our Savior's shoulders, squarely on Jesus' shoulders. And we are the ones that have to make the decision that we're going to let the government of our lives, how things operate, how things function, how, what, what is life-giving and what is not life-giving, all of the choices of life be led and guided by him. That it have to be on his shoulders. And then we continue to read. It says, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, everlasting father and prince of peace. That's what's included when we got this. It's, it's not four different people. It's all rests and uh, squarely in the person of Jesus. That we looked at the first week of what it means to have a wonderful counselor, somebody who's able to, to help us to have reconciliation, to give us wisdom, to give us guidance, everything that a counselor gives us. We looked then at what it means to have, the, have a mighty God, to have strength. Well, man, I'm telling you, we need it. We need that strength. Pastor Steve did a great job last week of what it means that Jesus made available to us the everlasting Father, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except by him, that he and the Father are one, and that that is so vital. And this week we're looking at that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He is the Prince of Peace. And so here is we're about to get into part of the uh, Christmas narrative here in Luke chapter 2 um, that just tells that, that story of the birth of Jesus. Uh, we're about to get into a famous part that shows up to some shepherds, but I want to, us to remember and be reminded um, that the very first people to hear that the Savior had actually come were this group of guys, just everyday working, working dudes, working the night shift. This, this news did not come to a banquet full of all the who's who of the Jerusalem and, and Israel area. That's not where the news came to. It didn't come into some king's quarters. It didn't come into some place. It came out to where there was a the bunch of guys working the night shift just trying to put bread on the table, just trying to make it through, trying to take care of their families. People who were just in the middle of the grind, just in the middle of the grind, this is where the news came to. And to those people, 
verse 12. Here it is, an angel is speaking. He says, and this will be a sign to you and you will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to those whom his favor rests. It says on earth, peace. I think we need some peace on earth. I think if we've ever needed it, we certainly need it now. In the middle of all that we're dealing with, we're still dealing with the pandemic. And man, you know, I was with you. Man, when we sit there and things were looking pretty good around October and cases were going down and then we get the spike in the fall and all the chatter about whether or not things are going to be locked down again and all these different stuff, the, all of the different issues and then with the election and everything still unresolved on some of those fronts and things still, all the chatter and the tension and our friends and family and people we love so much at each other's throats on social media and, and it's just such a point of tension there's just tension 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 everywhere we just desperately need some peace on earth on earth it's not just peace one day praise god heaven is a place of peace but jesus came so that we could have peace on earth and jesus jesus he's the prince of peace jesus the prince of peace is our peace he is our peace peace isn't a feeling. We associate peace with a feeling. We associate with it. No pressure, no worries, no any of that. Peace. And we associate, but peace is not a feeling. Peace is a person. So many times we can think of peace and we maybe see this picture you know, of this nice little secluded cabin and it's behind a a nice little pretty creek that's going along. And we look at that scene and go, oh man, that is just so peaceful. And I think in the back of our minds, it's actually because we know there's no internet service there and our cell phones won't ring. That's why it's like, ooh, it's peace. It's because our boss can't call me. The kids can't tell me we're out of milk, and I can't see everybody grappling each other online. All of a sudden, there's peace. And so we tend to have this idea of what peace looks like, what peace feels like, when really we've been chasing all of these things that's actually an, an outproduct, an outgrowth, of a right relationship with the Prince of Peace. That when we're connected with the Prince of Peace, peace is there even in the middle of things that aren't pretty and aren't peaceful looking. We can have peace that passes understanding, passes, it doesn't make sense. Let's look at Ephesians chapter two. Paul, Paul writes to the Ephesian church and in verse 13 he says, but now in Christ Jesus... You who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. I think we see a lot of dividing walls of hostility. We see them all over the place. Let's just take out all of the the political stuff. You see dividing walls of hostility in your workplace. You see dividing walls of hostility in your extended family. 
Maybe dividing walls of hostility in your immediate family that shares a roof with you. We see these things. And so many times we want this place of resolution to be found. And, and, and finally, ultimately, it's them getting right and seeing things the way we see them. That, that, that's the way our brains work. But we want, But the truth is, is that dividing wall of hostility is only dealt with in Jesus. It says, by setting aside in his flesh the law and its commands and regulations, <clears throat> his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. And then it goes on to say, and he came and he preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. Now this passage of scripture is it's talking about the Jews and the Gentiles and, and that there were those who had been, the Jews had been given the promises of the Messiah and that they were commissioned to carry the truth and the, all the prophetic things of what Messiah would do and who Messiah would be. And the rest of the world just kind of lived life and was in oblivion and felt this need for God and, and tried to pursue God in all of these different broken ways. And, and as humanity eagerly awaited for the Savior to come, and there was this tension, especially within the Jews, between the Jews and the Gentiles, and Paul's addressing that. But here we see that this feeling of being far away and being near, we, we have that right here. We have that in our own space. And maybe you're here today and somebody brought you to church and you really, really would have rather not come today. Maybe you came on your own and you felt like maybe you just needed something different in your life. And it's, it's literally, it's taken everything you've got to just stay in your seat and not just kind of sneak out and get out because you just feel so uncomfortable in some sort of spiritual place and connecting with God and and you feel so far away you feel like you have just done too much and and things are too sideways and why am I even here and the truth is is Jesus preached peace to you who are far away he preached peace it's not me preaching peace on Jesus's behalf he preached peace he said, you know what, I'm the, he's the one who's going to come in and reconcile it. All of a sudden, this great distance you felt, it's no distance at all, and Jesus closed the gap. He closed it once and for all. And so there's this place that even if you feel, have felt disconnected and far away from God, there's a place that you can have peace. It's yours in Christ Jesus. But he also preached peace to those who were near. Those who were near. Because sometimes that can be the most frustrating place to not have peace. It's to be near but still not have peace. Sometimes you can feel like, okay, well, you know, I, I have not cared about God. I've done my own thing. I've been a hard person to live with. I've, been, I've made some rough decisions. I get it while my life is not at peace. But then for those who have decided, no, I'm going to, I've been trying to draw near to God. I, I, I've had my little Bible studies. I've done my stuff. I've, I've done my different things. And, and I feel like I'm near and I still don't have peace. That 
can be a, a more frustrating place. Because then it's like, do I, do I just need to get closer? Do I just need to get closer? Do I, do I just need to get closer? And Jesus is decreeing to those who feel like they're right there but still don't have peace, I'm your peace. I'm your peace. Quit trying to chase this thing and do all of these things to try to make peace with me. I am your peace. And hey, you over there who feel so far away, hey, I'm your peace too. And he preached peace to those who are far away and peace to those who were near. This not about that we can distance ourselves so much from God, we're out of his reach, and it's not that we can do something so much that all of a sudden we don't need his reach, that we've achieved it on our own. No, even those who are the closest still need Jesus to be the peace. That is where that is required. So for through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Romans chapter five, verse one says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into the grace in which we now stand and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. When we let the peace, the prince of peace rule, then he brings peace into our hearts. That's what he brings with him. When we allow the Prince of Peace into our space, into our area, into, the, into our world, he brings peace with him, even into spaces that peace doesn't make sense. Like, a, this should not be peaceful. But when he's there and he's, he rules, he brings peace with him. Colossians chapter 3, verse 15 says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. But you have to allow it. There'll be war, there'll be tension, there'll be problems, there'll be chaos. And we have to allow the, the peace to rule in our hearts. We have to make room for that to take place. One of my favorite stories is of, of Christmas 1914. Uh, during World War I. World War I had been going on for about six months-ish uh, along that lines, and World War I was different than World War II. World War II, um, the guys knew why they were fighting. There, there was the, a, a maniacal man who was trying to take over the world and, and was prof- did these atrocious things, and, and World War II had very clear reasons and why it was so important to fight, but World War I was not that. In fact, there was a lot of the soldiers on both sides of the aisle in both trenches who didn't really know why they were fighting, who didn't know why this was so important. Why are we away from our families? Why are we spilling our blood? Why are we doing this? And, and, and there was, it was six months into it, even the field commanders were beginning to lose resolve, and, and they're just like, what, what's the point? Why are we out here? And along that time comes Christmas Eve. And Christmas Eve, the... the everybody's thoughts are back towards home and, and they want to be at home and want to be with their families and want to be in those places and Christmas Eve just begins to just quiet down and they just begin to quiet and in the quiet, in the quiet, the British soldiers in their trenches begin to hear, begin to hear a tune, begin to hear a song and they don't understand the words because they're being sung in German but then all of a sudden they begin to pick up the tune along the way and they realize that the German soldiers there on Christmas Eve are singing Silent Night. And pretty soon the British soldiers begin to join in and 
they began to sing each in their own language, sharing the tune with no man's land separating between them with barbed wire and all the mess of war. And in the quietness of that, begin to share in this place of sharing this place of worship on this silent night. And a few years ago, there was a company that put together a fantastic commercial that showcases this very thing. Jenkins, Oakley, Knight. Jim? Jim, don't, don't do it! Halt! Hey. Jim. My name is Otto. Please meet you, Otto. Freut mich. Rose, she's called. Um, schön, um, schön. seen that commercial multiple times and it, it gets me every time and the fact that that happened 
have been in multiple spots all along the Western Front in Christmas of 1914. It's all of a sudden that song began to rise up and these people who were at odds with one another and and began to share this point of shared humanity, new humanity in Jesus. And all of a sudden now begin to have that. And, and you can study it, you can look it up, and there's, there's pictures taken out, and they played soccer, and they, they did those different moments on Christmas Day. And, and if Jesus, if sharing in the Prince of Peace can bring peace onto an actual battlefield, then you know what, I think no matter what we're going on in life, if we can focus and bring things, quiet the other mess and focus on Jesus, and I think that the Prince of Peace can bring peace anywhere. He can bring peace anywhere. And I don't even remotely make light of some of the struggles that, that you guys are having, and I don't make light of some of the tension that's going on right now, but here's the truth. There's nothing so big that... The, Jesus can't bring peace into the middle of it. There's simply nothing. See, Jesus gives us peace no matter what is going on around us. It is not dependent on the flow of this world. It's not. He gives us a different kind of peace. We want peace when things are peaceful, but he will give us peace even when things around us are not peaceful at all. John chapter 14, verse 27, it says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I don't give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. We keep coming back to this place. Let peace rule. Don't let your hearts be troubled. We have to make sure we understand that we look at the situation Right now, we want to look at a situation when Jesus thought it was a good day to walk on water. We understand we serve a water walking Jesus, you know. But most of us would think that, you know, that the time to walk on water was when it was like glassy smooth, you know. Those pictures where you can see the mountains reflected in the lake and you have to turn the picture upside down. You're like, which one's the reflection and which one's the mountains? You know, and it just looks almost solid already. The, the, the water just looks almost solid. And then you're just like, okay, it looks walkable. Let's, let's try. No, Jesus didn't choose that day. Jesus didn't choose a day when it was nice and peaceful to decide to walk on water. Let's look when Jesus chooses to walk on water. Matthew 14, verse 23 says, after he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. So here the boat is being pushed out. The waves and the wind are messing with the boat and it's, it's way out there. And shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. He's not out there walking on the lake when it looks walkable. He's out there walking on the lake when all the waves are reminding him visually of how wet and unstable it is. All those waves are out there going on and just saying, you can't walk on us, buddy. And Jesus is walking on the water in the middle of the wind and the waves. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. They saw him walking on the lake and were terrified. And it's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. 
okay? Now, I want us to notice they went to a, a spiritual solution, okay? They didn't go to an earthly carnal solution. They went to a spiritual solution. It's a ghost. They decided and they reached out for some sort of spiritual explanation. We will still do this. We will still, in the middle of stuff, begin to reach out for a faulty spiritual explanation for what's going on. When the truth is, is what we need to focus on is where's Jesus in the middle of this? That's what we need to focus on. And so it's a ghost. But, said, but, but Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Again, he has to tell them to take courage. There is all of the stuff going around, the wind, the waves, all of those issues going around and is making them take a hold of fear. But he's like, there's a different thing for you to take hold of. You're going to take a hold of something in the middle of the mess. And he says, I want you to take a hold of courage. Get a hold of it because it's I. It's not just randomly have courage. Oh, think happy thoughts, happy thoughts, happy thoughts. He's like, no, I'm here. Take courage. It's I. I'm in the middle of this. And as soon as you recognize Jesus, is, he is Emmanuel, he is with us, he's God with us, then even in the storm, he, you can still be in a place of peace, in a place of courage. It wasn't that all of a sudden that then the winds and the waves went away. No, they were supposed to have courage even in the middle of what was giving them fear because it's him. And then Peter immediately pipes up and says, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Now, here it is. Here's Peter who just before was in the boat, freaked out, thinking when it was a ghost like everybody else, okay? He was having that wrong response. But in the, as soon as he recognized it was Jesus, his response shifted, okay? Maybe with what's going on in your life, your first response wasn't one you're spiritually proud of. Maybe not. Maybe the way you reacted to what's going on wasn't the best response. But just because you responded that way doesn't mean that has to be your final response. As soon as you begin to see God involved, you can respond differently. You can have a new response to the circumstance. You can't just, okay, well, I did this wrong, so I'm just double down. No, as soon as you begin to see God at work, have a fresh response. Have a new response. Peter has a new response, and it's a bold one. It's a bold response. It says, if it's you, tell me to come walk on the water. He didn't say, if it's you, make the wind and waves go away. No, he's like, if it's you, tell me to come walk on the water. And Jesus doesn't say, uh, simmer, down, simmer down, Peter. This is God-sized stuff. <laughs> Slow it down, buddy. I'm Jesus. What are, you, what are you doing? No, Jesus doesn't respond that way to him at all. Jesus gives him a one-word response. Come. Come. Just Come. Just says, all right, you do it. Like that was the response Jesus was looking for the whole time. As he was out there walking on the water, I think he was ready for all the guys to get out of the boat and come over and start joining him. He's like, finally, somebody's doing it. So let's see what happens. Again, there's still waves and there's still wind. There's still the stuff 
that makes it feel like you can't have peace. The circumstances are not at peace. Nothing has changed with the circumstances. Nothing. The things that's changed with Peter is he's aware that there's somebody who's bigger than the circumstances in the middle of it. So now he can, in the middle of the circumstances, start having a response. Not wait for circumstances to change to have a response, but have a response in the middle of the circumstance. So let's see what he does. So then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus, period. Let's stop right there. Peter walked on water too. He walked on water too. In the middle of the storm, with the wind, with the waves, he did it too. Sometimes as we are about to finish the story, we can get fixated on the fact that, you know, he got discouraged, he shifted his gaze, all those different things. But here's what we need to remember is that, man, I'm telling you that so many times there's a miracle in the middle of our mess. And Peter walking on the water is a miracle. It's, it's there. We just need to look for the miracle in the middle of our mess. It says, but when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink and cried out, Lord, save me. And when he saw the wind, now let's remember, the wind was there the whole time. The wind was there when he got out of the boat. The waves were there when he got out of the boat. This, he did not all of a sudden get new information that then just kind of blindsided him and just, took, just, just messed him up. No, he went back to the old information. He went back to stuff that he already knew. All of a sudden, he's like, oh, well, this is, this is a mess. This is still a mess. So many times we begin to take, take steps forward, and then we assess the situation and go, wait, man, it's still a mess. Man, I'm trying to be loving, I'm trying to be patient, but my family is still a bunch of jerks. Well, guess what? Keep loving, keep taking those steps. You being loving in the middle of that is a miracle. Keep being the miracle. Keep letting God give you love and grace in the middle of it. Keep doing it in the middle of that. I'm telling you, just keep moving forward with it. And so, but he did. He saw the wind, he saw the waves, and then he shifted his attention he shifted what he was thinking on and he begins to sink because that's the normal thing to happen in water he begins to sink and he cried out lord save me and jesus doesn't say you're the one that wanted to do this buddy this was your idea um he doesn't do that at all he doesn't he doesn't do that at all it says immediately jesus reached out his hand and caught him said you have a little faith Reminded him, the issue was, where were you placing your faith? That was, this is what the lesson is. This is what we would need to take away. But I love it that Jesus didn't sprint over to him. Like Peter took like a step and a half and then went down. No, Peter walked almost all the way to Jesus. Jesus just reaches down and picks him up right, where, right there. Jesus didn't have to sprint across the water. He was right there. And Jesus reached out his hand and caught him and said, you have little faith. He said, why did you doubt Why'd you doubt? Things were headed in the right direction. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down, and then those who were in the boat worshiped him, saying, truly, you're the son of God. There were those who were and at peace and said he was the son of God when their circumstance changed. But there was Peter who said, you're the son of God, and I'm coming no matter the circumstance. 
And what God has called us to do is to be those who will go no matter the circumstance, that when we have the Prince of Peace, we have all the peace we need. And if we wait until everything has died down around us, we will never operate differently than anybody else around us. This is what sets us apart as the children of God, is we have peace in the middle of the storm. We have someone who is sure in the middle of it all. John 16, says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Because guess what? You're going to need it. It says, in this world, you will have trouble. It's going to happen. Folks, in this world right now, there is all sorts of mess and will be. Perfection is in heaven. But we can have peace on earth. In this world, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Our bottom line today is the prince of peace rules with peace. When we let him rule, peace is what comes with it. And so, so many times what we need to ask is when we get caught up in the middle of all of the mess, we need to remind ourselves that we have peace. And he gives us peace that goes beyond understanding. Why? Because so many times it doesn't make sense. Peace in the middle of the storm doesn't make sense. But when we understand the storm's not going to get the best of us, that God's got a plan and a promise and we can trust him, that's when things begin to turn around. So as we celebrate this holy day, let's remember that when God gave us Jesus, that he gave us a prince of peace. That is what he gave us in the middle of all this. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.